in five, four, three, two, one. And welcome back to another episode of the Mystic Hour with your boy, Mystic Black, and the man. Wait, I got to decide. Wait. I it's mirror effect, so. It's mirror effect. The other way. Big markets in the I don't know. Here. I don't know what's my right or my left. <laughs> Who knows nowadays? You don't even know what day it is. But, hey, we are in day 900 of quarantine. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, glad you've been here with us during this time. Uh, it's episode 8. We made it. Hopefully we make it to episode 100. Who knows? But it's episode 8 now. So let's get it started. We had some uh, really good fights this past weekend. Uh Probably one of the best cards uh, that was for free that was not on pay-per-view provided by the UFC on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Main card, main event, Tyron Woodley took on Colby Covington in a fight that was long time coming, two years uh, in the making. Everybody anticipated this fight, and it went away that Tyron Woodley's past couple fights has went. Like, literally the same exact thing. Colby Covington dominated Tyron Woodley for... Four and a half rounds, and Tyron Woodley ended up submitting uh, because of a rib injury, but he was getting dominated throughout the whole entire fight. Nick, how'd you feel about that? Yeah, it's kind of sad to see because I was hoping, given the motivation by by Woodley going into this fight, that we would have seen some of the old Woodley, and unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with him. I, don't, I you know, I. Even I was watching some of the press conferences after the fight, and Dana White was saying that he sort of has to have a talk with him because he doesn't—he just doesn't seem mentally there. Obviously, he's physically fit, um, but these last three fights—I mean, it's—it's it's like he's just been absent when he's when he's actually inside the ring. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. Uh, I know Dana White. Well, when Tyron Woodley came out in that first round, he actually was pushing forward a little bit, but that just mm -hmm. only played into Kobe Covington's game into a takedown, straight yeah. into a takedown. Uh, Tyron was throwing his hands a little bit, but there was just no firepower behind everything he was doing. It was very weird. It's like something is mentally blocking him. You don't know what it is. Maybe you need to see a sports psychologist. Uh, he doesn't look out of shape. He didn't look winded in any round. He didn't look tired in any round. He just looked no. over overmatched by – in the same way he's looked against Burns, same way he looked against Usman. He looks really outmatched, and I guess he needs to find that motivation on why he's still fighting. And until he, until he finds that – I don't think he needs to take any fights maybe until 2021 because I don't want to see Tyron Woodley go 0-4 in, in a whole year. It can happen, but he's got to take his time and weed his way back into it. Maybe he has to switch camps. Maybe he has to kind of spread out who he's training with too because he likes to train by himself in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. When I, when I say by himself, I mean not with like five to six different training partners coming in and giving you different looks. He had Masvidal with him in this, this uh, training camp. That's just one look. Maybe he needs a couple other different – you know, bodies to, to mess around with, to throw around, and that'll give him a different kind of uh, motivation. Yeah, I think so. Something's got to give, right? Whether it's his, his, it's his training camp or, or, or some of his coaches, uh, but something's got uh, definitely got to change because obviously 0-3 for, uh, for his last three fights. I mean, we're talking about former champion, former repeat champion too. You know, it's like you said, like he wasn't gassed. He wasn't out of shape. He didn't come in overweight. You know, he, he came in how he was supposed to. But mentally, if you're not there, then, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, it, it's almost better that you're physically not there than you're mentally not there. Because, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know, man. I think, I, I know that he doesn't want to retire. There's no reason for him to retire. 
Um, but he's definitely not going to be fighting, at least for his next fight, one of these upper echelon fighters. Um, I don't think he needs that because I think that if he continues with this current state of mind, he's going to get that 0-4 record in his last four fights. So hopefully somebody towards the bottom, not completely towards the bottom, because I feel like that would be demor uh, more demoralizing. But um, but something's need to change. And if, he, and if he can't change it, if he can't find it, what's wrong, then just retire, man. I mean, he doesn't have anything to prove in this game anymore. He's been a, uh, he's been a repeat champion. And, you know, he's got obviously he's got other avenues that he can take. Absolutely. And not uh, besides Tyron Woodley, we can't take away from how amazing Kobe Covington did and how amazing he looked. He just recently yeah. switched camps from American Top Team to MMA Masters. And it looks like they're doing amazing work with him because he looked good everywhere. He looked good standing. He was he looked good, he was good defensively, evading any power shots that Tyron would uh, throw at him. His timing was so good, and he kind of changed it up to where he was timing those takedowns rather than just bum rushing people like he did before. So that's something I see. Then they worked on too. So Kobe Covington's game is getting better. I think you mentioned this last time. Kobe Covington is ascending. Tyron Woodley's got a descending. So yeah. he definitely proved that in that fight, and we cannot take that away from Kobe Covington. I know. Uh, a lot of talk about Kobe is his post-fight uh, uh, comments and or pre-fight comments. But at the end of the day, in that octagon, he is a really top-tier welterweight. And he is right there, once again, very close to fighting for another title shot. But um, speak, speaking of that, he actually ended up jumping Gilbert Burns in the rankings, which is crazy because Gilbert Burns beat Tyron Woodley, who was number one. So Gilbert Burns got that ranking. And then Kobe Covington beat Tyron Woodley, who is not number one anymore. And all of a sudden, he's number one in the rankings. That's wild to me. I don't understand uh, how the UFC is uh, putting together these – these who's, who's voting on these rankings? Because that doesn't make any sense. The number one contender should be ranked number one, if that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's weird. I, I thought that um, he was just basically going to stay in place because obviously you're fighting a descending – Woodley, you just beat him. I mean, you beat him convincingly and you had an incredible performance. And I think that should be rewarded. But until Burns and Usman actually fought, I felt like those rankings should have not changed. Um, but that being said, I mean, also I can see why they're pushing him because on top of that, he's an entertaining uh, person, uh, whether you like it or not, whether yeah. uh, the way that he entertains, he definitely brings a lot of attention to the to the league. And on top of that, he's a, he's a really good fighter apart from his antics and and his characteristics he's a he's a phenomenal fighter and i think that he's actually i don't think it's bullshit when people you know when he says that he can beat usman or kamar what does he call him uh i call him kamar Marty, uh, snoozman he calls him fake newsman fake newsman yeah. <laughs> right yeah so um i think that is a possibility because given their last fight i mean it, it, it he was winning that fight until obviously uh, Usman was able to finish it, you know, luckily before the end of the, uh, the fifth round. Um, I think maybe Gilbert Burns is the only person that could perhaps uh, really test his his skill. Um, Jorge Masvidal, we would love to see that. I would love to see that fight too, especially given their history. But even then, I mean, I just see, I know that people might have some sort of resentment towards him, but when you just look at the skill of the fighter and, and, and that perspective alone, it's really hard to see somebody beating uh, Kobe Covington right now. I think that the move that he made obviously has benefited him tremendously. Um, not that he needed to uh, to improve uh, that much uh, from the last time he fought, but yeah, I just think that he's continuing on the rise, and I suppose that's what they saw, and that's why they pushed him. Even though I think I felt it was premature, because like I said, we haven't had that Burns Usman fight. You know, I think obviously seeing that fight 
how it goes. Um, if it's a tight fight, maybe the rankings should have stayed the same. Obviously, if Burns or Usman um, beats the hell out of each other in that fight, and it's like uh, it's 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 pretty easy, then obviously that changes as well. But yeah, it's uh, I felt it was a little bit premature to to change that before this fight. Absolutely. And speaking of post-fight antics, Kobe Covington, of course, had a lot to say after his win against uh, Tyron Woodley. Uh, of course, he was screaming, doing his thing. Tyron, uh, I mean. Who's telling Usman, I'm coming for you, I'm coming for that belt. Uh, yeah. And he had a lot of other comments in regards to, um, you know, Donald Trump, who he supports. Uh, Tyron Woodley's antics before uh, the fight where he wore the Black, all black uh, the black Lives Matter shirt and the hat. He had some things to say about Usman. He had some things to say about uh, the police and uh, supporting the police. A lot of different things that he said in that post-fight press conference. And everybody had things to say on, on opposite ends. Um, Nick, how do you feel about the the post the post fight uh, comments that Kobe Covington made during the presser? I mean, you know, I, I see why people could be upset. I see why, um, obviously, he struck a nerve with a lot of people. But this is a violent sport, and with this violent sport comes a lot of violent commentary. I mean, uh, I, I hate to be that guy that that you know doesn't want to come off as insensitive, but I mean, this is uh, it's kind of like it took me back to when Masvidal beat Ben Askren. Right. He was practically knocked out after he took that knee to the face and yet he kept punching him. And then later on uh, until I think it was uh, Herzog that was that was uh, officiating that fight. But until the referee called off the fight, he kept hitting uh, Ben Askren and people asked him, you know, like, was that really necessary? And of course, he came up with, you know, that trademark super, super necessary. necessary. You know, he says that his job is to hurt people. And and, you know, that's and, and he's going to keep fighting until the ref calls it off. And, and that's his job because. Uh, that's just how the sport is. And if you don't like it, go watch soccer or something like that. It was his uh, was his sort of, um, I guess, his view on, on that. And I think that a lot of people have to be, yes, I'm not saying that you can be, um, you can make these type of comments and, and, and get away with it or, or that, that they're okay to say, but at the same time, you can get away with it because this is a violent sport. And unlike any other thing uh, or any other environment, you can actually get hit in the face for saying the things that you do. So I suppose that's maybe what Dana White, because Dana White also said, you know, that they don't like to muzzle anybody here yeah. in this league. Um, clearly, we've we've had really controversial comments before um, from other fighters. I mean, I know that there was especially a lot of black fighters that, um, that were upset with his comments with reason, you know. But I mean, you have, you know, like Adesanya, I think when he, before he fought uh, Yoel Romero, he he used the term or he used the reference to the Twin Towers. He said that he was going to knock Yoel Romero down like the Twin Towers. Um, you know, obviously that's going to hit a nerve with a lot of people. That's going to be sensitive. And, uh, and then you also have people like Conor McGregor who, you know, uh, makes these claims about, uh, Nurmagomedov's family, uh, Habib's family about, um, being terrorists, his wife being a towel, given her, you know, religious attire. That, that one yeah, is, so, that one always was. The yeah. That one, that one was, uh, yeah. You feel like you needed to take a shower after reading that, but, um, but that's, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, like, don't be surprised. Yes, if you want to be offended, that's your right to be offended. Obviously, everybody has something to do. But, um, but I think that uh, essentially what happens is that you have to, you can't be surprised. You can't be surprised by, by violent, comment, uh, violent commentary. Yeah, a, a couple a couple of different things that I agree with you on there and I disagree. Um, Tyron Woodley, I mean, Kobe Covington before this fight actually didn't speak that much. Like, he he's been pretty quiet, which is not 
like Kobe Covington, he usually talks a lot before fights. He was pretty yeah. silent um, until he won the fight. I think he was. <coughs> excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> excuse me. Um, I think he was waiting for that post fight to see if he was going to say the things that he wanted to say. Obviously, Kobe Covington is a guy that kind of like has these things in his mind before he says them. Kind of like sometimes Conor McGregor does it. Like these guys think about these things before they say it. One hundred percent. There's no way. He was just he he was just like, oh, I'm gonna say this off the bat. Now you're gonna get this. No, he's been thinking about these things for a long time. In the case of Tyron Woodley, too, for him to make the statement that he did or the 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 um hat that he wore, the shirt that he wears, Kobe Covington has a right to say what he wants as well. So I can't, you know, knock him for for those things. Um unfortunately Tyron Woodley ended up losing the fight. So for him doing something like that, it kind of like it kind of hurts because you know he wanted to do he wanted to win for specific reasons, even though before the fight he said that wasn't the reason he wanted to win, but obviously that was a part of that. Um, but Kobe Covington sometimes I feel crosses the line in some things that he says. I know Conor McGregor has said stuff in the past. I know um, Adesanya has said stuff in the past, but Kobe Covington caught crosses lines to where it's just like, especially in this time period too, in this time period where it's a scary world. It's honestly a scary world. And Dana White knows this. The UFC knows this. They know what's happening in this world this time period right now. They've shown stuff before the, the UFC broadcasts, like rest in peace, George Floyd, and things like that. So for a fighter to make comments like he did in a sense of calling, saying Black Lives Matter people are, are ter terrorists and evil, and uh, he said something with regard to, like, smoke signals with Kamara Usman because he's, yeah, he's African. That's just, like, in this time, in this time period to what everything is happening in this world, that is, I if I was running the UFC, you're getting fined for things like that, and everybody else is getting fined for things like that too. That's where it starts. So where okay, now we're getting we're going too far, and we, people are going to start getting fined. Just like in the NBA, when you say things, NFL when you do things, the UFC, I get it. It's a fight sport, so you got to be insensitive. But when it comes to those comments, I personally don't like them. I don't I don't want to hear those things. I don't watch fight. I don't watch fights to hear people be that way towards each other for no, like, no, just to get a rise out of people. And I don't know if Kobe Covington is being real about when he says things like that. Like, listen, if he supports the police force, support the police force, that's fine. But you don't have to say Black Lives Matter are, are uh, terrorists, you know? You don't have to go that far and say those kind of things. And you're just pushing way too many limits when you, when you say things like that. So there's no reason for you to be able to show support for what you believe in, which is he believes in... Uh, Donald Trump and his organization, the, uh, he believes in supporting the police. That's fine, but he does not need to go that far into certain things that he says. I think that's way too far, and especially in this time period. Well, I think what happens too is that we've gotten to the point of generalizing, um, no matter what side you come from. And and I think like, I understand, uh, obviously, I, I, I understand why people are upset with his comments and everything like that. And um, I think what happens is that he's just as passionate. Like, for instance, obviously, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is a very passionate one. But uh, he, you might say that he's very passionate about his movement. And so what happens is that, unfortunately, instead of people promoting their beliefs, the way that they promote it is by demonizing other beliefs. And I think that's where it goes wrong. Because obviously, um, for whatever reason or not, he feels very strongly about um, about first responders, the police, um, he's very patriotic, fine, which, yeah. is, which is fine and everything like that. I, like I said, I don't think you need to demonize. It's sort of like, I suppose, you know, like, you know, maybe he feels the same way, you know, when, when he goes out and he tells people uh, and he speaks that, uh, or he says that Black Lives Matter is a, 
Marxist or terrorist movement. It's sort of like when, you know, Black Lives Matter, certain, I'm not saying all of Black Lives Matter, I'm saying certain members of Black Lives Matter are all, you know, with the whole ACAB, all cops are bastards type of mentality. And of course, like I said, like somebody at some point is going to get really offended by it. And then what happens is that it's best to to try to listen to each other. But a lot, obviously, we're not we're living in a period, like I said, that people are looking for affirmation rather than information. And um, and so for whatever reason, he might feel that he has the entitlement to be just as offended as all these black athletes. Or you don't even have to be uh, black to be offended by his comments, um, because like, you can even go as far as when he went to uh, Brazil to fight uh, uh, to fight Maya. Mm-hmm. And he said that Brazil is a shithole and that the Brazilian people are filthy animals. Obviously, this guy is, is not a good-hearted person and obviously his is, is not, not necessarily i i don't i don't think it's be i think it's beyond just trying to sell and 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 uh and create this sort of hate like this sort of villain type role um it could be that that's just genuinely how he feels which is unfortunate but like i said what happens is that he probably feels just as emotional about certain things as the black community or as as just oppressed communities feel in 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 this country so I think what happens is that as as right as it would be kind of taking like an MBA stance at it, not not having a tolerance for it, what happens is that there's a very fine line then of what can you say and what can't you. And then obviously when you have somebody like, uh, that's a cash cow like Conor McGregor saying the things that he says, I mean, we might think or I personally think somebody like that who makes comments like that, whether they, they, they're trying to upsell or or they apologize after, it doesn't take the fact away that they, that they said it. Once something comes out of your mouth, or worse, once you tweet something, that's going to be on there forever. It doesn't matter how fast you delete it; it's going to be out there in the universe forever. Um, so that's the question: is like, you know, I I think that I don't think that we should necessarily value certain insensitivities over others, because, like I said, if if we were if we were to really muzzle people, I suppose, like uh, Dana White said then Conor McGregor shouldn't be fighting. People shouldn't be fans of Conor McGregor because of the things that he said and the actions that he's taken. So um, so that's why I think it's a struggle, not necessarily that I think it's right that these people are allowed to say what they what, what they do and, 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 and be that ignorant or, or share that sort of bigotry. But I think that's the struggle that UFC has in saying like, okay, well, if they can't say this about that, then what am I gonna do when Conor McGregor or Israel Adesanya makes that type of comment and I can't really necessarily take this guy out because at the end of the day, people really, the only way that they make a change or affect something is when their pockets are affected. And obviously UFC and Dana White are not going to try to get rid of somebody like Colby Covington who brings entertainers for better reasons or not. Somebody like Conor McGregor, somebody like Israel Adesanya. Um, it's just, it's a really, it's a really difficult uh, strategy, I suppose you you have to take. And, and I, I guess what happens is that it's like it's either you allow everything or you don't allow anything. Uh, yeah, the UFC definitely are cash cows. They don't really care uh, about a lot of things. That the, so sometimes they do care, which is so weird because there's been yeah. times so where people have been fined for a tweet or something like that, or been suspended for a little bit for saying certain things. There's been guys who were in uh, what is that cult? The cult with the uh, oh my god, the Nazi. There's been a fighter who was part of like a whole Nazi cult. And he got yeah. immediately like banned from the, from the yeah neo Nazis was immediately banned from the UFC. So when they do, I'm not comparing these two things, but I'm I'm saying it in a sense of if you're gonna if you're going if you're gonna give somebody shit for saying something, you gotta give everybody shit for saying something, and you gotta right. 
point out what's real is real. Dana White was talking and saying, oh, we don't muzzle anybody. Listen, Dana White, the things that Kobe Covington said as Mafia was racist. He did make racist remarks. So literally, he made them. So there's no if, ands, or but about that. That's a clear thing. So something's got to happen with that. And if Adesanya makes comments, something's got to happen with that. Like, you have to start, like, marking down on these people, especially in this time period. People are going to stop watching your sport or people are going to – you're going to lose fans for, for things like that. Or you're going to have fighters like – uh, Duadu the other day, just like, yeah, man, I didn't like those comments. Those are very yeah. racist. So if I see him, you know, it's like on site and, and it's creating more uh, friction for, for the fighters too. Like for Kobe Covington to go anywhere, if there's some kind of fight, there's some press conference and there's black athletes there, they're going to want to kill him, you know, for, yeah. for, for saying the stuff that he says. So until something happens, I don't think the UFC will do anything, but I feel like something will happen soon enough. So he's got to be very careful. I mean, they got to be very careful with how they, uh, kind of like have the, those guidelines of what people can can and can't say. So when Dana White says the whole we don't muzzle people, you muzzle who you want. Let's let's not beat around the bush. We can see that. But I hope that imp- I hope that changes. And I hope that improves. But that's 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 whatever. And Kobe Covington's going to be like that no matter what. I, I don't think that's going to change. I mean, what you also got to think too. It doesn't help that. Um... Well, first of all, Kobe, all of the comments that he made after his fight, uh, I suppose, even though, you know, obviously people, uh, you know, you can you can tell what's racist and whatnot. I think like he can he try to generalize it as much as possible so he can sort of cop out from his comments and say, oh, you're a little tribe. Like I could mean like your friends or I can mean uh, and smoke signals, you know, like obviously we all know that he's degrading who's yeah. being Nigerian and African and everything like that. Um you know, he even went ahead and said that, like, I didn't care if King Kong was uh, uh, was in that ring, you know, like, and we all know, like, the reference that that's to, but, you know, he yeah. can, but then he also said Superman. So, like, that's, I suppose, the sort of cop out that he can have. But like mm-hmm. I said, you know, when, when, um, you know, when Dana White is politically aligned with, uh, I don't think Dana White obviously is at the level that, that Kobe Covington is at, no. of course. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, when they're politically aligned also too, you know, perhaps there's going to be some sort of, unfair defense on his end for for him um but also dana white is a guy that he's i mean i i looked at his press conference this past weekend and you know the way that he talks about fighters like he definitely does not as opposed to like let's say a commissioner like adam silver who's very delicate with the way that he speaks um dana white is the complete opposite i mean he'll he'll talk about fighters whether they're they're there or not um but it's weird because he's so emotional he's such an yeah, emotional guy and how he reacts to stuff but then I mean, yeah mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm saying is that like emotion sort of ties into this sport. And so I understand what you're saying about with the potential of losing fighters, but you also have to think about the potential. I mean, I mean, not losing fighters, losing fans. Um, but you also have to think about the potential, unfortunately, of gaining fans. Because, um, you know, as we've learned in, in recent times, hate is a way more powerful emotion than, than love or, or, or likability. You know, it's, it's definitely a more passionate. And so sometimes by promoting hate or promoting this sort of hate talk like we've heard from from uh from kobe Covington, you're actually gonna get people who are are gonna jump on board so he's not necessarily i don't think he's necessarily worried about losing fans because he knows that you know as some move out others come in so it's it's like i said it's a really it's it's definitely a gray area it's not a, a black or white area um no pun intended uh, but, like, but I, I really didn't mean to go there. I'm, like, I'm not talking about Kobe. Uh, Literally, it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a difficult spot to be in.
Yeah. Uh, my only thing that I that I'm gonna I'm gonna end with is Kobe Covington. You don't gotta be racist to get fans, brother. Like you'll you'll be you'll be okay. Like you don't have to weed Apparently that hard. You Apparently you do, right? But you just you, you, you you're weak. You're getting you're getting a little crazy. Calm that down a little bit, man. Calm that down a little yeah, bit. Man. But anyways, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely unnecessary. Like his talent alone should be enough to drive people. Exactly. Like, you're so great. Really you're so good in that cage, man. Like keep showing that and keep propelling yourself to the top, and you don't have to take that route to be. Uh, to to submit submit your legacy, I like you know. So that's yeah. But um, busy with the mamacitas, mamacitas. But uh, in the co-main event, we had Donald Cerrone take on Nico Price, and it went to a majority draw. Donald Cerrone looked a little bad in that first round, then he started to pick it up uh, in the second and third rounds. Probably more better in the third round. He got an eye poke. They took a point away from Nico Price, and it ended up becoming a majority draw. When they announced the draw, um. Nico Price was like super excited, like which is the weirdest thing ever. But we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But after seeing that performance uh, of Donald Cerrone, that's what five in a row now that he's lost. Where does he go from here? Well, I mean, Dana even said that he's going to have that talk with Donald. I mean, we all know that Donald's not going to want to retire. This guy's um, just a champion at heart. I mean, he's always down for fighting. He doesn't get uh, distraught by losses. Um, he's a wild guy. Obviously, he's cow. He's a cowboy. Like he's he's literally like if we were living in the times of the wild wild west, he he'd be one of the very few survivors uh, nowadays. So he's he's gonna obviously want to keep fighting. He's gonna want to keep uh, going at it. And I think that he can keep going at it. But at the at the same time, at what point do you like? Because what do you do if you're Dana White? You know, obviously you want him to retire because it's like, dude, you're taking up places and cards where I can be having somebody. Who's got potential some younger fighters coming up and taking up your uh, your place and you're here clogging it up and if you're donald cerrone you don't really want to go out on an 05 losing streak you know yeah. so do you do you put them with some with somebody else who's at the bottom of their of their career and 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 perhaps have him win i mean i think that was the disappointment in cerrone's face when he saw that it was a draw is um is that necessarily that uh, that you know it's like it almost to me, it, it almost looked like he would have preferred a loss than a draw because he's he's not that kind of guy. He's not like, don't give me a part uh, participation trophy. Don't give me um, a draw. Give me either the loss or give me the win. Yeah, and it's and it's you definitely saw the disappointment in his face 100%. Uh, what was very interesting was him in the post-fight uh, conference, and he said, I need to take some time off. Maybe I'll be back in uh, 2021. Cowboy is a guy who's like, yo, I'll take a fight next week. Yeah. I think he's mentally starting to notice that you know what, damn, maybe it's I'm getting to that point where I'm gonna I got I gotta you know rack it up and just like end my career sometime soon because to take that damage and then to go into a draw and just not look like you used to and fighting at welterweight too where he's not cutting that much weight and he should have more energy and be more flowy he just didn't look he didn't look good he didn't look good at all he looked slow he looked confused he wasn't he, Nico Price looked like he was outstriking him. Donald Cerrone is a great kickboxer and he did not look good in that fight. And for him to say, uh, maybe I need, I need to see a sports psychologist again. Something's not going right. Everything, everything in camp went well. And, you know, sparring went well. First time he sparred in a long time. And for him to look that way, I think maybe give Donald Cerrone one or two more fights next year. And then he spends time with his, he's, he's made plenty of money, plenty of freaking yeah, money in the UFC with 30, with 36 fights. He's made so much money. He has his own ranch. He has his second child that was born recently. He said in the post-fight conference, too, I can't wait to go home and see my son and just spend time with him. Like, he literally drove that night nine hours to his ranch to go to see, to go see his son. So 
I feel like he has a different view of life now. And we got, we are, we have officially entered father time, daddy Cerrone. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need to see Donald Cerrone take any more shots to the head. I don't need to see Donald Cerrone get beat up by these younger guys. Uh, I hope Cerrone one or two more fights next year and then right off into that sunset with your, with your children. But um, Nico Price, got a lot to say about Nico Price. I am a fan of him. I, I love his style. He pushes forward. He's always down to scrap. He always puts his heart out there. He, he's always just push forward, push forward, push forward. But, I mean, he's very kill or be killed. But for him to be so excited about a draw is crazy to me. Why are we excited about a draw? That's the weirdest, weirdest post-fight I've ever seen in my life. He's just looking at Cerrone and just like, oh, my God, I just fought Donald Cerrone. This is amazing. Nico Price, you've been fighting for a long time. You've been fighting for a long time. You fought, you fought uh, maybe not guys as legendary as Donald Cerrone, but it kind of was like that McGregor effect. It's just like, oh, my God, I'm just happy to be here. This is this is a yeah. spectacle. Wow, I get to fight you? This is great. That's wild to me. Don't come into a fight with a, oh, I want to knock this guy out, and all of a sudden you fight him, and it just like smiles and happy after a, a draw. No more, I'm just happy to be here. You're a younger fighter. You're a guy who can climb the rankings. You haven't made it into the top 15 yet. I hope you make it in the top 15 with a different kind of mindset, but the whole I'm just happy to be here thing, not a fan of it. Well, I mean, it's I think what happens is that he had the opposite mindset, obviously, than than Cowboy, right? Like he, he probably went into that and into that decision making thinking that he lost the fight because of the two eye pokes. And I think that he actually um, I mean, those I thought he was actually going to take Cowboy in that in the first like two minutes of that. Fight. Yeah, the first two minutes. Yeah. Cowboy was just like, Jesus Christ, here we go again. It's going to be another early knockout, which would have upset me because I, I man, I'm, I'm just never due to get a perfect uh, prediction card. I went I, I almost went <laughs> five. And, I almost went five and oh for this one, except for that stupid draw. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's why he's happy, because he probably thought that it was a loss in that. Um, I mean, granted, what I have been as joyous as he as he was for a draw. I'd be happy because it's not a loss on my on my you know on my column, but um, but yeah, like I, I like like you said, it's almost like I'm just happy to be here. I, I'm I'm riding along, and it's it's kind of sad. Like which I I do appreciate that gratitude, but at the same time, it sort of takes away from people who perhaps haven't gotten as many shots as he has, as many opportunities, as many chances to to redo himself, and and um and it's sort of you know like those fighters, you know, they go out in vain when you have a guy like Nico Price celebrating a draw like that. I don't I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. But from there, we're we'll, we're just gonna move on. I'm just too, I'm just I'm disappointed, in Nico Price. We we need better, Nico. We need better. But anyways, we had a really good um uh, well not as competitive. Uh, as anybody thought that it would be, and I and I think I predicted this one pretty, pretty well. That Mackenzie Dern is just a push forward. I'm going to go for the finish kind of girl. She fought Randa Marcos. Yeah. Um, we thought we were going to see more of Mackenzie Dern striking since she's been working with Jason Perillo, but she ended up throwing a, a high kick. She fell to the floor, and Randa Marcos did the thing that she, nobody thought she would do: is go to the ground with Mackenzie Dern, which is a yeah. death sentence, <laughs> a death sentence. And as soon as she got there, Mackenzie Dern went to work. Put her in an armbar. Randa Marcos lasted a pretty good uh, time in that armbar, but the inevitable yeah. happened, and she tapped, and Mackenzie Dern beat her pretty fast in that first round. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be. I, I had Mackenzie in this one as well. I didn't think it was going to be this fast. I thought it was going to be a second round. Um, but I mean, Jesus, once she once she grabbed on, she didn't let go. Yeah, I mean that's just inc how incredible Mackenzie's ground game is. Um, obviously, she's she's just going to keep on propelling. Uh, she's definitely a name to be to be looked at to to look out for in, in upcoming cards and future cards. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was almost, but I almost got to give it to Marcos for lasting as long as she did because I, I just kept thinking like, here it is. Nope, here it is. Nope, not this time. Here it is. Nope, not again. And, you know, like eventually, yeah, Mackenzie got her, but, uh, and it was brutal. Like it, it, it hurt me watching that fight. It, it really did. Um, she just would not let go. She, she was, uh, she was a lot. She had, a, she had a pretty locked in, especially with those legs um, at the beginning where she's just, where oh, you yeah. see Marcos oh, trying yeah, to get up. Like... What's that? I said, oh yeah, with those legs. Oh yeah, with those legs. <laughs> But anyways, uh, that's a fine. That's a fine right there. Right. <laughs> no, but um, no, but yeah, like yeah, it, it's it's true. Like I, I, it's just incredible her her ground game, and and uh, I'd I'd hate to be on the ground with her. I'd 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 hate to be any fighter. Like if I if I'm a fighter that's uh, that's up and uh, that's gonna be fighting Mackenzie Dern in the future, I definitely would avoid ground at all at all costs. Oh, one hundred percent. I would stay away from there. But I wish I could have. I was able to see her striking but i guess we'll see that in another in another fight but that's a dangerous place to go uh next for mackenzie dern hopefully somebody in the top top 10 now she's ranked number 14 in that that division i see her fighting anybody in that top 10 or maybe in the top the bottom half of, of that uh 10 to 15 but she's somebody yeah. i feel like they can propel her pretty fast because she's got experience in in combat sports and she looked like she's doing well and and uh getting really comfortable with it so like I, excuse me. Like I said yesterday, my Instagram live, Angela Hill, Mackenzie Dern, I'm in. Why not, right? I mean, they're, they're right next to each other. I'm looking right now. They're right next to each other in the rankings. I mean, Mackenzie, Mackenzie has lost to. Oh, she already fought Hebas. She lost yep. to Hebas. That's it. That's her only yep. loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, why not Angela Hill? Especially the fact that Angela Hill didn't really get beat up in her last fight. I think that would be really cool to see. Um, but I, I mean, I think Mackenzie Dern. Um, I mean, I would worry for Angela Hill if they did fight. I mean, I know that Angela Hill is an incredible fighter. She's not scared of anybody. But um, Mackenzie also has a lot of momentum coming behind her. So um, I don't know. It's like I, I don't want to be offensive in saying Angela Hill. Don't take somebody that's up and coming. Try to you know finally get a win. Fight somebody that's of a lower standard. But that's not the way that Angela Hill is. It doesn't work you know? for you. It doesn't work for her like that. So. But besides uh, that phenom of Mackenzie Durham, the phenom, Hazmat. Hazmat. <laughs> the show continues for Hazmat, defeating Gerald Merchard in 17 seconds by KO. He hit him four times in that fight. He did not get hit once again. Hazmat doesn't get hit in a fight. He finished him pretty fast in the middleweight division, which is not his natural weight class, but... He didn't cut. He didn't have to cut too much weight for this. He looked very impressive. Uh, in the, his first fight, we saw him with a submission. Second, I mean, his first fight, we saw him with a TKO. Second, a submission. Now with the knockout. Where does this show stop? Does it ever do? stop? Huh? Is there anything he can't do? Nope. He just smash, smash, smash. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a smash, smash, <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, talk about Gerald Merchant. Um, really blowing an opportunity to, to talk about like all oh, experience and maturity and man he shut him up really quick with that bullshit like, <laughs> like oh how are you gonna sign him to another fight making me a write-off i mean that that was such a write-off it was ridiculous how uh, how quick that was and it, it was just so easy and it's scary because 
it's like who's this guy like i mean granted you don't want to rush him because obviously uh, with, with potential like that you, you don't want to taint him so early on and give him perhaps a, an opportunity where he's gonna where it's gonna be a loss so early on in his career but it begs the question like could this guy like is he even hypothetically ready for a title shot because i mean he's he's beating these guys so i mean he's gonna fight damian Maya. is that set in stone or no that is not set in stone. That was uh, something that they wanted to set up. But after his performance of the 17-second knockout, they're like, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we got to give him somebody a little higher up. Higher. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, you know what? I honestly, like, I'm a, I know, granted, I'm sure that he's going to want the, the highest guy in the rankings. But I'm of the mindset that, like, you know what? Yeah, fight Damian Maya. Keep progressing. Don't try to rush. Because I feel that if he does rush, then not to say that I, that I think anybody can beat him. But um, I think what happens is that, you know, perhaps he does. Sometimes it's all about timing right, over talent. So maybe maybe he gets knocked out or he gets submitted. And and uh, and and then, you know, that that really messes with with his focus and with his um, with his uh, what's his name with its with his confidence. So I think he goes with Damian Maya next. I think that's the best move for him. But yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm always going to tune in no matter what card, um, even have to pay for it. I mean, this guy is pay-per-view material. Absolutely. Um, the, I I think Damian Maya actually ruined his chances of probably fighting him because in his last fight, uh, after he fought Gilbert Burns, he was just like, you know what? I'll take one more fight, then I'm going to retire. You tell the UFC something like that, they're not going to give you a they're not going to give you a, a no, kind they're of They're going to want to let you down easy. Yeah, maybe let him down easy or give him somebody, you know, for him to kind of ride into that sunset because Damian Maya has been nothing but respectful and graceful in his career. So I highly doubt that happens now. Um, they got to be very careful and pushing him too much too, because there's been a guys like Albert Terminoff and um, uh, what's his, there's a couple of these uh, Dagestanian guys who come in un with these undefeated records and then they start fighting the upper echelon of weight classes and then they start losing or they look different. So I say ease him in, give him a main event, but give him a main event of a fight night card. He does well against somebody in the top 10, like a Magni or a, a Jeff Neal, mm -hmm. you know, give him, Platinum Mike Perry, you know, let 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 them whoop Perry a little bit for especially well, I mean, his, his, in this past. Is Perry, is Perry even going to be back? I mean, yeah, yeah, he's he just he just an, uh, announced yesterday that he signed a fight card, a fight contract, so he's got a fight oh, coming. Okay. So I guess it's not going to be. Well, it might be. Uh, uh, has met. Who knows? He could have fight. Uh, he could have signed that contract to fight him. We don't know yet. Watch has been re reported as soon as we're done because, as per usual, they like to report everything when we're done with our with our podcast. But naturally, of course, uh, naturally. But um, I say, yeah, give him somebody in the top 10, main event, fight night card. He does really well there. Put him on a, put him on a cool event of a, of a pay-per-view. He does really well there, there. What's up, title shot? There's no yep. reason to not give him that. His, and he's just, his stock is just rising and rising and rising after every single fight. And the fights are not getting longer. They're getting shorter. And he's showing you different aspects of his game. And as he speaks after, unfortunately, he sounds like Habib. He doesn't want to be compared to him. His style is different than Habib's. Honestly, it is. But he does sound like him. Hopefully, he he just, you know, he's his own hazmat and he's not another a new Habib. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear he is Hamzat Hazmat. God damn it. <laughs> and don't compare him. It actually, it actually is. I'm, I'm looking at the spelling. It actually is Hamzat, not, oh, not it Hazmat. Oh, it's Hamzat. Hamzat. Yeah. Oh, so I was right. It's okay. Hamzat. All right. All right. All right. Thank God. But uh, no, I don't see him fighting Damian Maia next. I don't think he should fight Damian Maia next. I know Damian Maia is ranked number seven, so it'd be cool to take his rankings. But listen, he's got to fight more in that welterweight division and uh, build his way up. Take your time, UFC. Don't push him too fast.
Yeah, I, I think I, de I definitely think don't rush him. Don't give him Damian Maya either, because I mean, Jesus, you might as well just put him in front of the firing squad for that. I know. Well, this weekend we got UFC 253 Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Uh, it's going to be taking place in Fight Island, Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. Um, it'll be regular time for for everybody in the in the United States. They're not doing the time that they're doing for Habib and Justin Gaethje, which is going to be at a different time. We'll discuss that when that fight is closer. But uh, we got a good one this weekend. We got a top heavy uh, main card for sure. Adesanya taking on Costa. They've have had a rivalry for a while. Uh, Costa's been in the audience of Adesanya's fight and just, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. You're next. Uh, they ended up not fighting because Costa got injured. Adesanya ended up fighting Yoel Romero instead. He defeated him and not the most entertaining fight. But now we're here. We got Adesanya Costa. What was that? The most boring fight in UFC history. Oh, ah. I could, I could name one other. And, and, <laughs> and oh, Francis, and, Francis, Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. You ever watch that fight? Yeah, you you would true. never you would never think in a million years that fight would be boring, but that was a pretty bad one. But it's still up there within those boring fights. But anyways, we have this fight that there's no way it's not going to be exciting because we got Paulo Costa who pushes forward when he fights. Adesanya is a really good counter striker, so their styles are going to feed into each other so well. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be really exciting because I, I love these undefeated matchups. I really do because everything's on the line for both fighters. Um, I believe that Adesanya is 19-0 and, and Costa is 12-0. Yeah. So, right? I think 13. I think 13-0, but close enough. 13, right, exactly. But, I, I mean, the only advantage that I give to Adesanya here, really, obviously, besides being the champion, um, is that he's fought bigger names. But um, this is going to be really tough to decide, at least for me, because Costa has pretty much, with the exception of Yoel Romero, has has knocked out or submitted all of his other uh, all of his other competition, and that's that's crazy to me. Like the fact that like you haven't even, besides one fight of your twelve or thirteen, only one has gone to the decision. Yep. So um, I guess a tough guy in your home in your world. Yeah, Yoel Romero. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I it's it's really hard, man. Like I. I and I don't know if you saw, actually, I did the post, uh, I did a poll, I mean, on my Instagram, and yeah. it was actually pretty tight. I got over, uh, I think it was close to like 20 votes, and it was uh, it was 55-45 to Adesanya. But I mean, it, it was pretty, every time I checked in, it was sort of like neck and neck. Now, I don't know if people are just voting with their emotions, because they <laughs> want to see a new champion, because I, I mean, I, I, I feel like there should be a real discrepancy between who do you think will win, and who do you want to win? Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously people are always going to like, you know, sometimes they have a, a hard time separating that emotion from. Uh, did you not see me last? Did you not see me last? Oh, last Wednesday? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, was like, I don't know anybody like that, right? Emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it happened with me with Masvidal too, with Usman and everything like that, which I think Masvidal can beat Usman. But obviously it was ridiculous for me to think that on six days notice, flying halfway around the world to, uh, to, to beat him was, was definitely a long shot. Um, but I mean, who do you uh, do, do you have a prediction prediction for this fight or not? Absolutely, uh, I think that Paulo Costa has not fought the competition that Israel Adesanya has fought, and that's going to show big time. Another thing too, Paulo Costa has to cut a lot of weight to get to 185. This guy walks around at 225, 230. He was 215, I believe, this past Monday, and that's uh, what's it called? That's like 25 pounds in in one week. That's a lot of weight. That is a lot of weight to cut. And as you can see in the Yoel Romero fight, he got pretty tired in the second round. Like he was breathing hard and his punches were a little slow. 
you can't be slow with Adesanya. You cannot be slow to Adesanya. No. That's really bad. So if it makes it out of the first round, for sure, it is your Adesanya. If it ends early, uh, Paulo Costa, but I don't think that's going to happen. Israel Adesanya has been knocked out one time, and that was in kickboxing, and by somebody very, 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 very skilled technically within striking. I don't think Paulo Costa is the most elusive striker. He's very body to the head, body to the head, power shots, but not the most technical striking. You got to be very technical with, with Israel Adesanya. And is he going to take him down? Paulo Costa has taken nobody down in his whole career. I don't think he's going to change it up all of a sudden now, even though he's working with a wrestling coach and a MMA coach and Eric Abarcin, but I don't think that's going to change. So I say Israel Adesanya, second round, TK. Actually, second round, KO, not TKO. He's, I think he's going to completely knock mm. him out. What do you got? It's Who hard, you got? man. Like I, 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 don't, I hate to be put on the spot. And like I said, I have no emotion in this. I'm excited. I, I love being this – is, this is what's so fantastic about being a neutral fan is that you don't have any emotion aside, so you're just literally looking at a skill. Uh, I think it's, it's – I don't have an exact decision just yet. Um, I think it's, but I think it's true what you said. Like, if it is going to be Costa, it's going to it's going to be an early knockout um, or an early TKO. Um, if it goes past the second round, uh, it, there's there's no uh, denying that Adesanya would win that fight, just given his endurance, his defense. Um, so I think that's that's what it comes down to. Perhaps I'll make my I'll probably make my prediction that day of the actual fight. Um, mm -hmm. But it's 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 hard not to side. Or it's hard to side against Adesanya. I mean, he's a champion for a reason, and and um, like I said, his overall defense, his speed, his agility, um, and just uh, being an overall dynamic fighter, uh, I think is is what's going to help him out. Whereas Costa, like you said, he's more of a striker, and um, unfortunately, with strikers, you have to wait for opportunities. Whereas when you're when you're a dynamic fighter as Adesanya, you create those opportunities. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we'll, I'll wait until Friday, but that's definitely going to be a very entertaining fight. Yeah, and hopefully Costa makes weight. I mean, he's never missed weight before, but it's going to be a tough one, especially flying from Brazil to Vegas to Abu Dhabi. I, you're, holding, you're holding all that weight. Ugh, too much acai. What's been, what's been so funny about this is that I, I think you had shared that video of them, I mean, coming into contact, uh, well, I suppose, when they both landed or checked into the hotel, and it seemed cordial and amicable and everything like that. And the next thing you know, they're at the press conference, of course. And they're arguing and and he's like, Oh, you know, I felt his shoulders just to see how how uh, how dense he is because he's always made fun of his weight being pudgy, being a, a bloated Ricky Martin, and and, uh, and so yeah, it's gonna you, be. It's definitely you gotta be love. You gotta love Adesanya's uh, press conference statements or anything and, he yeah, he says. It's just hilarious and. It almost confuses Costa sometimes. He's like, I just saw this guy. He was nice to me, and he shook my yeah, hand. Exactly I felt exactly. my body, and now he's being this way. I don't know what guy. I don't know who he is. It's just, this is just so weird. But I feel like it's playing to Adesanya's uh, advantage there with the mental game. So give him a lot of credit for that. But that's going to be an exciting fight. That's the main event on Saturday for the middleweight championship. And we have another championship fight in the co-main event. Dominic Reyes is taking on John Blakowicz for the light heavyweight championship formerly uh, owned by John Jones, and he uh, relinquished that title uh, a month ago, and they'll be fighting for that. Um, who you got in this fight, Nick? How do you see this fight going? Well, I think one thing that's going for Dominic Reyes is that he actually fought well enough that some people thought that he beat um, John Jones in his last match together. So I think he's, uh, I think that's, he's got that going for him. But Jan is a scary dude, man. Jan is a scary dude, a big dude, and he really he really embraces this underdog role. 
And I think uh, for some reason, he's the underdog in this one. I, I don't think that maybe he's not that heavy of an underdog, but an underdog uh, nonetheless. And and uh, I think Jan takes this one. Uh, I'm going to 100% agree with you that Jan is going to take this fight. I think he is better in a lot of other places. He has a good experience with different fighters that he's fought. Dominic Reyes has, uh, you know, he did fight John Jones, who's the best fighter ever in some people's opinions. Uh, so he has experience there. But John is just, his confidence has been different. His hands have been very heavy. And he has grappling experience more than Dominic Reyes does. And he's been in this MMA game for a very long time. Uh, this is a very big fight for Polish MMA. A lot of people are going to be watching. Joanna Dranjacek has sent really good uh, messages to, to Jan. Um, I see Jan taking it. I think he's going to beat him in a unanimous decision. He's just going to like grapple with him a lot, take him down, push him against the cage, and not let Dominic uh, Reyes you know, be have that space. Because you give Dominic Reyes space, that's where he's really good at. So he's got to back him up. He's got to take him down, which is a hard thing to do. John Jones can even take down uh, Dominic Reyes. But I think Jan will be able to do it. He'll fight smarter. He's going to learn things from that fight from uh, previous. And I think we have a new Polish, uh, a second Polish champion in UFC history in Jan Blachowicz. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 gonna be it's it's gonna be a very entertaining fight. I think I, I don't think it's gonna be. I hope it doesn't go to decision. I really hate decision, especially with the decision making we've had this year. Um, that's my only hope. But I, I think that it's gonna be an entertaining fight, and I think that Jan hopefully finishes him. Uh, I, I I think that if there's gonna be any finish, it's gonna be late. I don't see any early finishes with this fight. I, I think it'd be it would come in the championship rounds between the fourth and the fifth. So um, I see I see this one going distance. Absolutely. And speaking of decision-making, UFC's finally, make, finally made a decision for Mr. Michael Chandler. Uh-oh, I just lost that. Michael yep. Chandler uh, is officially with the UFC. Did we announce that last week? I don't think we – it was, like, so talked I about, I think it right? was literally, like, of course, like, always, like, it came out. Right after. <laughs> well, Michael Chandler has, woohoo officially signed to UFC. Been waiting for this. Thank God. Uh, I, I, I got nervous. I was going to sign back with Bellator. We're going to have to see him rematch people that he's fought already. But he's officially with the UFC, and he officially does not have a fight yet. But he's officially, I'll say that again, um, the backup for Habib versus Justin Gaethje. If one of them gets injured or falls out, Michael Chandler will be stepping in. No, it's not going to be Poirier. No, it's not going to be Tony Ferguson. They could not come to an agreement with contracts and money. Um, people were asking, does Michael Chandler deserve this uh, to be a backup? Absolutely. He took advantage of an opportunity that was given to two other guys who felt that they need to be paid more. Not to say that they shouldn't. He took advantage of that opportunity. What's wrong with that? Anybody else in that position would do the same exact thing. Michael Chandler has been a champion in his previous uh, organization. He was a top guy there, and he can be a top guy in the UFC. So it's the UFC taking a gamble on somebody like Michael Chandler, and I don't think that's a bad gamble at all. It's not a bad gamble at all, and I don't blame him either for taking that opportunity. I mean, I don't blame Poirier or Ferguson for wanting more money. But at the same time, I'm not going to blame Chandler or I'm not going to expect Chandler to pass up on an opportunity for a title shot in his first, whether it be an interim title shot, um, you know, in his first uh, fight for the UFC. So and, and then like this is a guy that's always been talking about that he could beat anybody in, in his division. So and in any promotion. So what better way to, to do that? And, and this is going to be I mean, I really hope that neither Justin nor Habib um, missed this fight because we've been waiting for this fight for, for quite some time. But, I mean, this is not going to be a bad consolation prize. It really isn't. I mean, Chandler, let's say Chandler goes against Gaethje. Like, that's going to be a bloodbath. And then let's say Chandler goes against uh, Habib. I mean, 
is how crazy would it be? Like, just picture it. How crazy would it be? An undefeated Habib loses to a newcomer like Chandler. Newcomer not in the game, but in the promotion, obviously. I mean, it's just, it's wild to think of it. And then, you know, some people are scared of the opportunity. I'm not saying that necessarily Poirier and, and, uh, and Ferguson are. They just wanted more money. But I'm sure there's a lot of people just out of fear um, wouldn't want to step into that opportunity. And Chandler shows that he's got the balls to do it. Yeah, and he, the way that he speaks too and saying how he can beat Habib, how he can beat Justin in, in each facet of the way, you guys should definitely check out that interview he has with uh, Brett Okamoto and uh, Errol Hawani. He just speaks very well, and he has a lot of confidence when he speaks. And he's an exciting fighter. There's only one uh, way that Michael Chandler goes. He only has one speed, and that's just hardcore. There's no, I've never seen a Michael Chandler fight to where he's backing up or he's taking his, he's taking yeah. his time. No, he's forward. And he for him to fight Justin Gaethje in that facet, oh, my God, I would love to see that. Him to fight Habib, and that would be the first wrestler of that stature that Habib would fight uh, with Michael Chandler. It would be very hard to take him down. I don't even see – I don't see him taking Michael Chandler down. So it would end up being a stand-up match, and Habib is not the best striker uh, mm -hmm. in that division. He's just very good at dominating guys, especially on the ground. So for him not to have an advantage over a fighter, I would love to see that. So what I hope, of course, just like you said, these fights does not – you know, we, we see this fight still, but I just hope maybe somehow, some way they come to an agreement with Poirier or Ferguson and one of them ends up fighting Chandler on the undercard because there's not a third fight on there. There's a second one. Garbrandt and um, Figueredo are fighting in that card, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a good, cool, that's a great cool main event, but they need that third fight. And I feel like that'd be great or put that on a main event because that is kind of a five round fight that I would love to see with any one of those guys. So. I guess they'll figure that out soon, and maybe Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson are meant to find the main event. Maybe this is a sign for something else or something bigger. So who knows what happens? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, I mean, it, it, it's true, like you said. If you lose those guys, right, for whatever, I mean, I mean, technically, they're they're not gonna lose three people, like, or they're minimizing their chances now that Chandler is officially the backup. Yeah, you know, they're minimizing their chances of losing that top fight. But, uh, but yeah, putting those two guys on the card, I mean, why not? That'd be fantastic. Although I guess some people don't like sharing the spotlight, you know, especially when you're trying to convince people that you're worth a certain amount. Um, you know, I, I think obviously they're going to play the waiting game and, and we're not going to see them. But I mean, there's a lot of other fights that we could uh, that you can put in there um, for that third. I mean, that's a, that's October 26th, right? October 24th or 24th. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's late October. You have plenty of people that you can fill in there. Plenty of time. Um, Edwards is sitting somewhere. You know, Who? I'm sure that he think of Leon Edwards. Who? Who? Who's that? <laughs> Leon Scott in the words of Kobe. Kobe, Kobe on, on Burns. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Huh? Who? What? <laughs> but uh, the Leon Edwards against maybe a Masvidal, or maybe you get that Masvidal Nate Diaz as, as much as I don't want to see that fight. Maybe, maybe you get Colby versus uh, versus Masvidal on that on that card. If you really want to like yeah. blow that shit up. Uh, that would be great, but I don't. I don't know. I, I and when he come and when she brought the Leon Edwards thing, I wasn't gonna say anything about it. But my God, Leon Edwards, if you're listening to this somehow, some way, or if somebody's listening that that knows him, you gotta fight, man. Stop taking vacations while everybody's fighting. They're gonna stop remembering you, and they're not gonna want to see you fight. Get your name out there. Do something. Stop calling people out to be able to not fight them. You know, I want to see you fight, Leon Edwards. You want you're on a streak. Continue that streak. I want to see something happen. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh my God. I sound like Dan I sound like Dana White. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But anyways, guys, uh, we appreciate you for joining us today. Of course, 
I know it's a little early, but we're going to get this out to you by this afternoon. It'll be up. It's on the YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, whichever way you see it on here, subscribe. Uh, so you get notifications when we're on. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, maybe on Saturday we'll check in while the fights are going on and something crazy happens. Maybe we'll jump on Instagram live. We'll talk about it. Or before the main event happens, we'll get you guys' views. But um, speaking of views, let's get some more on here and more subscriptions. We'll see you guys later. Appreciate you guys. From me, Nick. Later, later. guys. Oh, and go Lakers. Yeah, you nervous about tonight? No, I'm not nervous about tonight. You're Everything's nervous gonna about tonight? Fine. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I, no, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you when you get nervous. I'll tell you when you get nervous. When the Lakers win tonight and they're up 3-1, that's when you get nervous. That's why, because uh, Miami because Heat are waiting for them? Apparently, apparently that's the oh, remedy for the Nuggets, Nuggets to be down 3-1. The... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know if anything, if anything I, I think it's better for you go to 2-2 because they haven't, they haven't come back from that yet. But they've they have come not back come back from that. I agree. But I would love to see a Heat versus Lakers finals. That would be amazing. And... You know, when when the Lakers win, how would you feel, Nick? If the Lakers win, the when, when the Lakers win against the Heat. If well, if the Lakers win, if the Lakers win, and I, I'm and, and you know what, I'm of that Goran. Uh, speaking of, of Lakers and, and Mamba mentality, I'm I'm of that Goran Dragic mindset. Uh, speaking of UFC fans or MMA fans, I'm of that Goran Dragic mindset that there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing. I mean, three one is is nothing. Obviously, we've seen the Nuggets what they've done with three ones, um, three one leads. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously I would be ecstatic if the Heat won. If the Heat lost the final, I think coming back from where they were a couple of years ago since the departure of LeBron James and sort of like the mess that we got ourselves into and then having to escape from that and making the finals, and especially for Jimmy Butler's cause too, the, the fact that everybody said that he was going to be at, on an eighth seed team at best, and yet here we are one game away from uh, from going to the finals. I mean, I think that'd be fantastic. So even if we lose the finals, I, I, I'd be happy with how, uh, as far as we've gone. Uh, obviously, if the Lakers win, that would be really cool, man. Especially the fact that you know Kobe passed away this year. Unfortunately, that would that would mean a lot. Um, and obviously, for for LeBron James, like I still am a little sour about when when he left here and everything like that. But I mean, you can't kind of hate the guy. You know, he's he's a phenomenal player to be doing this in year seven, year sixteen, or year no year seventeen, in year yeah. seventeen, and and uh, and just having the will. And in and, and reality, we all know who the MVP is every year. And that's LeBron James. I guess, like, maybe marketing-wise, they don't want to give it to him. Uh, they kind of want to spread the information around of, like, oh, these are the other players in the league. But we all know who the best player in the world is right now. And, um, you know, to see him win it, that, that would be cool. But, of course, I'd rather see that banner hanging up at the AAA than, than at Staples Center. I will, I will leave us with that message that LeBron James is the MVP every year. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, go Heat. Go Lakers. Hope to see something great. We'll see you guys next time. We are out. Boom.